Hey everybody, we have a new sponsor and a special deal for our listeners of Karen Isn't Always Right. If you have any photos or documents that you need to scan, or videotapes, audio tapes, or film reels that you need to import, you should check out avgearguy.com. If you mention the name, Karen Isn't Always Right, when you order, you're going to get 5% off and a portion of your order is going to help support the podcast, Karen Isn't Always Right. All of those formats degrade over time and are sitting ducks in the case of fire or theft. Why not convert it all to digital? All your memories can be stored safely on the cloud or even a hard drive that fits in your pocket. AV Gear Guy has over 30 years of experience with all kinds of media and they can accept orders from anywhere in the U.S. Don't forget to mention the name of Karen Isn't Always Right and get 5% off. For more details and to book, visit their website at avgearguy.com. That's avgearguy.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Karen Isn't Always Right. My guest today is Heath Poe. Heath is the general manager of a very large theater down in Texas. We talk about things like ownership, the importance of making mistakes, and even purple gorillas. Heath is an outstanding general manager with a lot of great insight. It was great to get to know him just beyond his outstanding reputation. So, here's Heath. Hey Heath, how you doing today? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Good. Welcome to Karen Isn't Always Right. I appreciate you uh, coming on the show. I appreciate you having me. Absolutely, man. I, uh, I was actually, I uh, had Mike Venner on last week and I was trying to ask people, do you know anybody you think that would, uh, would like to be a guest and be good at it? And you were the first and only name he recommended. So right after that, I texted you and asked if you wanted to jump on. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. I, I, I've listened to your podcast, and I, I think it's a great topic, and, uh, and it's just a great uh, venue for us to talk about our history and, and things we love about the theater and, you know, the, the occasional hiccups that come with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, it's funny because the, the guest part can be a challenge, you know, and, and I remember when I first started doing this podcast, you had sent me a I think you had sent me a meme or something about how to try trying to get guests. And I'm like, Oh my God, I am that guy though. Hey, do you want to come on my podcast? <laughs> but you know, uh, my experience has been once people have done it, it's, it's pretty fun. So, um, so talk to me about, um, kind of who you are, what you're about and how you got into being. Uh, you know, I've been in the industry for 24 years now, uh, with a slight lull, there was like a, about a four-month period where I didn't work in the industry when I started going to college. Okay. Uh, I uh, most of that's with Cinemark. There's a very brief period of time with uh, another, uh, you know, with AMC. How dare you, sir? You know, I, you know, I, I like. <laughs> I'm to, from AMC too, so. I like to play both sides. You know, yeah, and, yeah. and you know, I think it really comes down to what keeps you into it is is the people you work with. You yeah. know, AMC is not a bad company. You know, they're just different. And it really comes down to the people you worked with there. And, and I didn't love the people I worked with there. And they didn't really work with my schedule when I was trying to go to college. Um, so ultimately, you know, I left the industry for about four months and then came back to Cinemark and started as an assistant manager in 1998. Uh, and then a year later, I started, uh, I helped open up uh, an IMAX theater that we in Tulsa. Yeah. You know, so uh, did that for 10 years, and then I've been a GM since then. Did you open that with Anna Malazzo? Uh, Anna came in right, yeah, no, no, she did open that, yeah, yeah. 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 She yeah. hired me into Cinemark. 
Really? She, yeah, she's from my hometown. Like that's that's who brought me into the company, and she's the one that really like kind of kept talking to me about becoming a GM with the company and stuff like right. that. What a small. So there's another connection yeah, when I see that. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Like I, like I've grown up with movies, and I've always enjoyed movies, and you know, it's funny. I would not have you know 24 years ago seen myself as a general manager of a movie theater but it was like a buddy of mine he and I were we'd always go to the eight screen in Broken Arrow Oklahoma and that was the only place with an arcade at the time and <laughs> go play games there and and I was like hey we should just we should apply here mm. and uh he got hired and two months later then I got hired and you know he's moved on but uh the rest is kind of history so, That's kind of how it was for me and my best friend. We both were just walking by a theater. We were 15. We we're like, hey, we should just go apply there. Right. And then, yeah, here we are. Yeah, and it turns out, you know, you, you love it. And, you know, I always said I'll, I'll never be a general manager. You know, it's funny. The keys were offered to me, you know, at times when GMs got turned over. And I was like, no, 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 I don't want that. Don't, you know, just I'm good with my IMAX booth for 10 years. Yeah. And then now it's like, man, I wish, I wish I'd done that, like, five years earlier. earlier yeah yeah because i feel like i'm playing catch up right now to, to all these gms who've been doing it for a lot longer so oh, i just you're in a pretty good space now so yeah it's been crazy moved all over the country uh broken arrow ada oklahoma to, back to broken arrow uh el paso texas kansas city missouri and back to el paso okay. texas yeah i did a similar thing where i went from overland park to Baton Rouge, El Paso, back to Overland Park. And then I've run, so I've actually been at three different Cinemark theaters twice. So Greeley, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado. And then I've been to Fort Collins, two different theaters twice. Yeah. So, uh, it's just a small world, you know, with, with this industry and with this company. And, you know, as long as you're willing to move around, it's, you know, you kind of get bumped around. And I think things are, I, I'm a big believer in things happen for a reason, you know. And when I was trying to move up to become a GM, I mean, there were so many different theaters opening and just so many opportunities. Um, but there was a lot of rejection at the beginning and I, I kept getting really frustrated. And then I ended up getting to go back home uh, for my first theater. And so that's like, oh, okay, well, it all worked out, you know? I'm yeah, not... I mean, that's the hardest thing, I think, for people starting. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they become a Sam, they want to, they're like, let's do this, let's yeah. go, let's yeah. go do it. And they want instantly. And it's like, you have to, you have to ride this out a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah willing to take the rejection take the notes learn from that and continue to push and you know it's funny the the karens of the world want justice you know but the the millennials and the younger kids of this generation want instant gratification yeah. you know they want the instant reward you know and and with covid you kind of can see the different perspectives of you know where with this whole shutdown, you have different sides of people. You know, oh, do yeah. they understand that, look, there's no, no product. Our, our store shelves are empty. I thought that was a great metaphor, mm -hmm. you know, and no one could come to our, our theaters. So do you understand the process that we're going through or do you just rail against it and rage and just blow up everything that you had? And yeah. like, it just, it doesn't make any sense to do the latter, but that's just what you have to deal with. Yet people still do do the latter. Right. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. You know, you touched on the, the, 
the gener today's generation of uh, the younger generation of uh, that instant gratification and and stuff, but also touched on how you know you got to be patient and you got to wait for those opportunities. You got to be willing to really willing to put in the work, but also willing to take some rejection. And so those that and my experience versus what people experience today, I think, are dramatically different. Like we were building so many new theaters when I was trying to come up that even though I got turned down for a lot of theaters, it happened, it happened very, very quickly for me, much, much faster than it would happen in today's world um, and probably will for, for the foreseeable future. Um, and so now, you know, all these kids that want instant gratification to get the, their theater of their own, they're going to end up having to wait longer. And so they don't get that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I feel very lucky that I was able to move up quickly. Um, and I just don't think it's going to. And so it's even more important that not only do they have to be patient, but, you know, the people that say, well, I don't really want to move. It's like, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, man. That is the most hardcore reason that you will hear working yeah. in El Paso, Texas. <laughs> yes. Is family is there and they don't want to move. And, yep. you know, while we have, you know, five theaters in the market, those don't open up because nobody wants to move, you know, and that, and that was the biggest thing that since I've gotten to this theater, that's my push is look, the opportunities that you want are out there. You just have to put a little work in. You have to little, you know, be willing to, to do a little, because if you go and you run a theater, you know, an eight screen or whatever, as your first theater and you kill it, there's a two or three or four for you to come back to, you know, mm -hmm. there's higher level theaters and, mm -hmm you have to just go show that you can do it because that first theater is a leap of faith for, I can't even, like, I want to be in those shoes, but like, I know that when you get to that, that leap of faith decision, you know, it's hard enough as it is to make those decisions with your assistants, you know, with employees, you know, and you know, the, the number of times that where I, my gut says one thing, but all your assistants around you are saying, Oh no, 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 no. Manager. Yeah. You know? And then you do it and you're like, a little bit later, you know, something happens and it changes and you're like, and my gut. Yeah. Back yeah. to my gut from now on. Well, and I think, you know, you've, how many people have you seen that are amazing employees but can't make great assistant managers? And I'm sure it's the, the truth holds the same. How many people make great, you know, GM or uh, assistant managers but can't be a good GM? I mean, I've seen it happen time yeah. and time again because it's just a much different job. You know? Yeah. I mean, when, when the buck stops with you, you know, is completely different than, you know, when you get to just always swoop in, but you've got a, you've got that safety net of a team. Oh, yeah. You know, same with the employees, you know, when they're suddenly in charge of other employees and making it right and they have to take the personal out of it, you know, and I think that's the hardest thing to teach is taking the personal out of your interactions with guests, with mm. employees, with assistants, with others around you. It's like, Nobody, yes, there are people out there that are going to do things personally toward you, but the world is not personally out there to get you. Right. You know, and, you know, El Paso has a lot of crime or, you know, petty theft, as we like to call it, you know, where it's like scammers, you know, mm -hmm. and it's like the number of times that we've actually caught a scammer versus the times that we have upset a genuine customer you know that's the biggest thing that i've changed since i got to el paso is look those aren't your passes it's not your money how hard is it for you to do what i'm asking and just 
make the customer happy. Yeah. Because ultimately, if we believe them, then they're going to leave happy and you're going to have so much praise coming your way. Mm-hmm. But if they've got to give you, you know, a 35 minute story, you know, I, I always joke, I do my little like boxer stance when I'm talking to them about, you know, how when they're, that's what a customer's doing in their mind while they're waiting, they're waiting for that prize fight. Yeah. They're expecting to be told no. So when you're like, oh, I can do that, or I, I will do this for you, it, you know, it de-escalates that situation. Lowers the defenses, yeah. Simple thing. Yeah. You know, lines. You know, Charlie Street talked about purple gorillas, and I've always, I've utilized that every theater I've ever worked at, you know, even when I was an assistant manager. And this mentality of just because the purple gorillas don't exist doesn't mean they're not real to someone else. Can you explain to everybody what a purple gorilla is? Really? So purple gorillas are basically a story that Charlie Street gave us um, many moons ago, uh, where there are two movie theaters running. And uh, I use the short version when I tell this story. Uh, you know, both of them are like at the end of a street. And so they're competitors. They're both very busy. And then all of a sudden they're not busy at all and they they come together in the middle of the street and they're like what's going on and one's like i did you hear there like people think there are purple gorillas in our theaters and one gym's like are you crazy there's no such thing as purple gorillas and the other one's like hmm you know and he goes back to his theater and then all of a sudden you see him come running out of his theater wearing safari gear with net and he's like i caught the purple gorillas i caught the purple gorillas and sure enough everyone comes back to his theater and no one goes to the other theater and then you know the the longer version you know many years later they meet and uh they talk about it and one guy's no longer with movies and the other guy is still running his movie theater and he's like you know i don't get it why did you say you caught the purple gorillas there were no purple gorillas and it's he dealt with the perception that there were purple gorillas you know just because there wasn't a problem he still dealt with the problem as it was perceived you know and that's you know, when someone's waiting in line, you know, we, we've all gotten that concern of, I was in line for 35 minutes. And you look at camera footage, you know, it's five minutes. Right. But that's not what matters. What matters is that they perceive it. And so like, one of the biggest things that I teach my staff as they start is, no matter how long you feel like your line is, if there are two people in line, sorry about that wait, can't, and then we start into our, you know, our spiel. Yeah. And that sorry about that weight almost always gets, oh, no big deal. Just because yeah. you just acknowledged that they had to wait. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking to somebody right before you about about the, a very similar thing in the in the managing people's perceptions and, and really acknowledging that look, the customer, we all know. I mean, the whole title of this podcast is Karenism. The customer isn't always right. Look, yeah. we know the customer. As managers, we know the customer isn't always right. But look, the customer's always right. It doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the customer thinks. And that's the same thing that I teach my, my employees, too. It's like, look, you just need to acknowledge their frustration and their, and their perspective on the situation. And I think your, your example of the lines is, is one of the best examples because – I, you know, I'll have employees who like on weekdays, they're just, you know, if there's two concessionists, they're trying to get things clean, you know, and it's a slower day or whatever. So one will be on a drawer and the other's cleaning and there'll be, you know, three people, four people in line at that one employee's drawer. And I was like, if there's more than two people, you need to get on your drawer. That's a line. 
Yes, yes. And the people is a line. Yeah, and so yeah. It, it doesn't matter if you think that line will go quickly. The customer's perception is there's two of you there, two of you should be on a register so that you can help me, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's an awesome example. Yeah, that, that's the hardest thing to teach is like, well, I need to go clean. I need mm -hmm. to do this, mm -hmm. I need to do that. Yeah, but the priority. Yeah, I always say that the only thing more important than a customer is burning popcorn. Like literally that's it. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> nothing else. Because yep. there is nothing like being, you know, you're you're in a, a big building now and you're upstairs with your office and you know, you smell it. Mm -hmm. Like you can be three floors away, but it will waft and yeah. it will sit and nothing, nothing is worse than burnt popcorn. I know, I know. And I can smell it from a mile away too, but you're just talking about it. I can smell it. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> it stings the nostrils. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you touched on the other thing too with, um, and this is something else I was just talking to somebody about is that, that, that need for, for some of our people to be right, you know, and, and that there's that mirthanism of, of when the customer, not the argument. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it doesn't matter if you're right. Like, and it goes back to the customer isn't always right, but the customer's always right. Like, stop trying to be right. Stop trying to win. It's, they yeah. don't, go ahead. They, they get in the heat of the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, um, like it's, you, like you get frustrated. And so like the tension ratches up and, you know, they get into that price fight mode. And yeah. so then they, they, they have to win. They have to like come out ahead in this situation. And it's like, I'm not looking to come out ahead. You know, coming out ahead for me in that one-on-one -on -one conversation is the customer walks away happy. It's doesn't happy matter. You know, like I always say, like when I'm training assistant managers, it's like, I don't care if you give away 35 popcorns, 27 drinks, and 10 candies. Did the customer leave happy? Great. Yep. That's all that mattered. Now, I might sit you down and talk about how we could have yeah. ratcheted that down a little bit you know, <laughs> got out with you know half that yes but you're never going to be in trouble because the customer left happy exactly. i might use it as a teaching moment but it's never going to be why did you do that yep yeah you can totally come from the same same company just because I, I tell my people exactly the same thing it's like i will never get mad at you as long as you did everything possible to de-escalate the situation and make the guest happy. But I will get mad if you had the opportunity and you didn't even try or you make it worse. You know, I mean, that's, that's our job. Right. You know, and I, I, I had one recently where one of my assistants who, who was a senior, she had every opportunity. Like there were all these like moments when I talked to her about this, this incident and like, it's frustrating. Cause like, why didn't you do that there? Oh, because, I just, I was upset, mm. not acceptable. Mm. Uh, why did you, so like kind of a little background on this situation, like the customer was upset because, you know, we've switched over from scooped ice cream to these pre-made shakes, you know, and, and we knew there was going to be some backlash on that. You know, people love their ice cream. They love like options, mm -hmm. you know, and while the shakes give you a lot of options, they're not ice cream, you know, and little kids love ice cream. And so the customer was upset and she was trying to get, these shakes and then didn't feel like you know she was already upset to start because we didn't have the ice cream so it's like why not at that point you know offer that hey let me let you try a shake you know for free on us you know so you can see that these are really good or you know take that opportunity to just 
grab the bulls by the horn, fix it right off the top, you know, but yeah. be proactive. But no. Yeah. Yes. Be proactive. But no, we, we like had to explain that, Oh, well, these are just as good and low. You know, it's like, it was like this, I had to be right moment. Yeah. yeah. And it continued. And there was an issue with the shakes. Didn't, she didn't feel like they were filled fully. And long story short, you know, ultimately she wants a different manager, which, you know, could help the situation, but no, this assistant decided she wanted to go peek around the corner and watch the other interaction. And the customer sees this oh, no. and it's like, you know, she's like, I was like, what are we doing? She's like, I just wanted to see what was, what they were going to do. Like, I wanted to make sure that she had the whole story. And it's like, no, you walk away at that yeah, point. Stay the hell out of it. <laughs> because all the customer sees is that you are trying to block her. Mm-hmm. you know what you're trying you know what she wants yeah and it was just it was the second manager got great praise you know for how she handled the situation because she de-escalated and she did the right things but it was just like it was one of those like look i as a system manager i was hot-headed you know and i get that but like i knew with a customer there was a line and you just don't ever cross it yeah. and like people just tow that line or put their toes over or just take a step and it's like, no, back it up, back it up. Yeah. But you, you can't get everybody to do that. And it's, it boggles my mind. I had a um, situation at your theater, actually. Uh, for anybody listening, I actually used to work at Heath's Theater a long, long time ago <clears throat> as an assistant manager. And I was very hot-headed as a, as a young one. And uh, <laughs> I was uh, exiting number four, exit greeting number four as it was letting out. And an usher had like leaned the broom and dustpan up against the wall, like right by the doors. And this kid is screwing around or whatever. And he runs into the dustpan, knocks it over, trips over, falls down, whatever. Dad comes out. He starts just yelling at me. And me being stupid, I was like, well, maybe you should, maybe you should control your kid. <laughs> and, uh, and so Robert was my, uh, my GM at the time. And so immediately, obviously, this guy wants to talk to him. And that was a, a very early lesson learned for me of what not to, uh, not to do to a customer. Right. So, there's, luckily, there's, I always say that if you, uh, you can't logically think about a situation, especially when dealing with employees, you know, on top of guests, Take 10 seconds, Mm -hmm. walk away. You know, not every situation needs to be dealt with right then and there. You know, um, I ran the palace in Kansas City and that theater was just a very difficult theater to run. Mm -hmm. You know, I equate most of my gray hairs to that theater and, or lack hair of, you know, (laughs) know, as I'm bald on top here. But, uh, you know, when it came to audits, you know, they're so important to us as general managers and to what, how we're great, you know, sure. those, we could have amazing customer service, but ultimately that's the numbers that we live by mm-hmm. you know? and, you know, good or bad. And so like that building struggled early on, you know, and we, we turned the corner because we got to rescore things because we were handling them. But like initially, when those audits happened, I had to always go take a walk. Oh yeah. Because when you have a bad audit, like all you want to do is yell, scream, punish, you know, your, cause your frustration is the little things. Yes. It's not like the big things that the controllable like, stuff. Yes. It's the, it's like, Oh, this cabinet wasn't locked. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? This checklist wasn't signed or right. <laughs> something. Right. Yeah. 
this initial is not readable, so like it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? Like, you know, <laughs> that's a whole nother we podcast. Digress, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but that was the thing is like, if I could walk away, you know, I would go walk around the country club and come back. And I would always, I never scheduled a meeting the day one, day two after the audit. I always scheduled at least three days out because I need to decompress. decompress. Yeah. Because the stress on us is already just through the roof. Immense. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're just like, okay, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And you know, it just, mm. it eats you alive. So you've got to be able to decompress. So then you can, you know, how do we learn from this? Mm -hmm. You know, and then that's what you try and teach your assistants too, is, is like, doesn't matter. Look, you're going to get yelled at by guests. Now, if they're threatening you or using profane language, that that's a line, mm -hmm. but in general, they're not <clears throat> mad at you. They're mad at the situation. So how do you deescalate that? And you know, that's the biggest thing is don't take it personal. Like they're not mad at you. So what do you tell your, I'm glad you brought that up. What do you tell your managers or on the, like, how do you train them on the verbiage to use when a guest is really losing their shit on them? You know, whether it's swearing at them or simply yelling and screaming at them or whatever, like, do you train them on specific? I mean, I try and teach them that, that focus on the problem. You know, if you can get them focused back on the problem, you know, what you're going to do for them, that a lot of times will deescalate that. But if they're, they're not listening to you and they're continuing to berate you and it's looks, sir, ma'am, I want to help you, mm -hmm. but in the current situation and how you're handling it, I can't, you're more than welcome to speak to my general manager, but at this point I can't do anything more for you, you know, and, and that's there that will either blow them up and they're coming at me, which is fine. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like, I want it to stop. So either the situation is going to go and they're going to leave and come and talk to me and I'll be able to handle it, you know, and come to their defense or they're going to ask for another manager. And even that a lot of times will deescalate the situation. Yeah, change of perspective can sometimes, yeah. Yeah. you know, because there's that whole, like, I, I, I believe that people, you know, want to be able to walk away from a situation and get another manager to help them, but we don't. Right? We're all superheroes. Yeah. We're all like, I can handle this. Yeah. I will get this taken care of. But usually along that lines is I'm going to win this argument, yeah. not I'm going to handle this argument. Right. So like that gives them that out and gives that customer the opportunity to say, Hey, well, let me speak to another manager. You know, and, and like that's the way I push it. Now if they're threatening you know, then I tell them that you can ask them to leave right then and there. Yeah, yeah there's definitely hard on the way out, you know, yeah. and, and I'll talk to them. But, you know, I always have my people's back when it comes to that stuff. Yeah, I find that, you know, there's, there's, um, you can distinguish between being, you know, yelled, like sworn at, and a customer just swearing, like, there's a difference, you know, if yeah. they're berating you, you know, but I've always talked to my people about like, look, you know, simply there's also that balance between like, have you ever, have you ever told your wife to calm down? <laughs> you know uh, what I'm saying? Very early on, I've been <laughs> 19 years now. So, so we learned real quick, right? Learned so, real quick. 
quick. You have to find that balance of how do you tell a guest to, to, to calm down without telling them to calm down, you know, and, and trying to teach, especially young assistants, not just young in age, but young in tenure, like trying to teach them that, that, uh, that balance can be very challenging sometimes because it's like, look, you don't want to be condescending to the guest, but you do need to get them to a place where you can make a civil, have some civil discourse. Well, a lot of it too, you know, you talk about that, uh, you know, these young ones, you know, as we get older and we've been in the industry longer, you know, the way they're raised changes, you know, mm-hmm. when you hit that threshold of you're twice <laughs> as old as the employees yep. and then you're twice as old as the youngest assistant you can promote. Yep. Like those change, like you have to really change your thinking. Uh, so that those are always interesting because, you know, I, I always say, you know, I want you to just learn, you know, if you make a mistake, look, there are going to be consequences to mistakes, but all I ever ask is to not make the same mistake twice, sure. you know, and a lot of people, you know, there's this mentality with a younger crowd of, well, I don't want to make a mistake. I'm going to be perfect. Mm. So a lot of times that leads to, well, I'm not even going to try, uh-huh. yeah. you know? Oh, well, I didn't know how to do that. Well, did you try? Well, no, I didn't know how, but did you try? You know, like I've taken apart, like stripped down 35 millimeter projectors because it needed to get done and something needed to be pulled out. You know, I mean, the power supplies, I mean, man, I've changed so many of those. And all you do is you just wire all your, you know, like it seems daunting, but you just label everything and sure, yeah, get in there and you do it, you know, and we, we lose a lot of that. You know, I love digital. Don't get me wrong. I love digital. I love that it has so many fewer problems. The long, you know, the long term, you know, one problem doesn't affect every show following. Yeah, yeah. So I love that. But at the same time, when I was training assistants, because you know I was a booth manager for many years, when I was training assistants on booth or the IMAX, I can make a whole bunch of things happen mechanically that you have to troubleshoot and mm-hmm. teach you how to, you know, figure it out mm-hmm. on a 35 millimeter projector. So it doesn't start. You can't do that with digital. It's like, Hey, this might happen. <laughs> yeah. <Do> this. <laughs> yeah. This might happen. You'll do this. Yeah. If you're not sure, call me. Pick, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's, they, they miss out on that. And that, you know, I, I jokingly posted many years no, about five years ago when I first got to El Paso, you know, that I'm trying to teach people to fail because if you don't ever fail, you'll never learn, you'll never grow, you'll never be better, mm-hmm. you know, and if you want to go further in your career, you know, in customer service or, you know, in movies in general, you've got to be willing to fail. Oh yeah. Because if you don't, then you're not even trying and you're, basically towing the line Mm -hmm. you know it's like theaters that don't ever you know make a move house placement wise you know look i get four seats is annoying and reserved seating but those four seats versus the you know 100 you could sell in that auditorium yeah it's important yeah you can always make it right for the four guests yep there's always something you can do for that guest because they're gonna buy concessions yeah you can easily give them some popcorn and a drink and they just saved a ton of money. You know, I see all the memes about, I can't wait to go back to this, the movie theater $70. $70 on a drink and a popcorn. Yep. 
But you know, that's something simple that we can do to take care of the guest. And then we've satisfied those four guests along with a hundred that are now going to go see that movie in a different house. Playing it safe doesn't make money, you know? Um, Playing playing it safe doesn't advance your career either. Exactly. I think you touched on something that's really important is, is, well, did you try? Um, Like when I, when I first got started in this company, my first GM, great man, but he didn't, he didn't really go out of his way to teach me anything. Anna helped. <laughs> Sorry, hold on. That's, that's okay. I think he's trying to grab a kid. Sorry, I had a furry kid destroying things. <laughs> That's all right. So uh, Anna taught me a lot, but then she moved on to, to become a GM. And ultimately what I ended up doing is I would just teach myself whatever I needed to learn, you know, and that's just by doing, you just jump in and you figure it out like inventory. Nobody really trained me on inventory. And the way I learned how to put the packet together is I just looked at a previous inventory. I was like, Oh, okay, well that's how it, that's how it goes together. You know, even today, I mean, you know how it is as a GM, there's a lot of things you don't really have your hands on anymore because you're the GM. You've got other people doing that. I have shitty memory. So I have to <laughs> to like relearn things sometimes, but when it comes to assistant managers trying to come up, I mean the the skill of doing things yourself or learning how to do things on your own is extremely important because once you become a GM, there's nobody there teaching you. How many emails have you gotten over the years where it's like, well, you need to be able to do this now? No one's there to teach you that. <laughs> like you've just got to figure it out. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we talked about the safety net before of the general manager versus an assistant manager. Right. And, you know, when you're, you're training your assistants, you're trying to train them to be, you know, semi-autonomous and, and learn to handle these things on your own. You know, uh, Stephen Jones, I didn't actually work under him, but I, I worked with him a couple of times. And one of the things that he always said to his assistants is, uh, you know, if you aren't running the building like you own the building, when you are there, then you're not doing your job right. Mm-hmm. And that has always kind of stuck with me. It's like, look, when you're the assistant manager, and it doesn't matter if you're the most senior assistant or not, like your department needs to be run like it's your department. You know, and a lot of people are like, well, I'm not in charge. Well, you are right now. Yeah. Like, aren't you the man running the department or the woman running the department? Like. Like, like seriously, you Act are. Act as if. Act as if, you know. Yeah, you know, and like take that ownership. And people don't want to take ownership, you know. Blame shifting is the, the biggest yeah. pet peeve of mine. Like, you make a mistake, own it. Like, yes. Like, you know, like. Oh. I will have so much more respect for you if you make a mistake and take responsibility. Because in my opinion, that's the sign of true leadership. Can you make a mistake and then own that mistake and learn from that mistake? But the people that you know know full well they made a mistake but aren't willing to own up to it, I have no respect for that. You know? Yeah, and, and that's you know, especially with customers, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like, but if you own them, then you can learn from them and not repeat them, and you can you know win the next customer because yeah. a lot of times, you know, the joke about war stories and oh well, you remember when this happened and why that happened? Well what did you do for the next customer? You know, how did you move on from that? And a lot of people don't move on from those war stories. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that one Karen, like 
is the one that sticks in their head. And, you know, like, look, I've had lots of instances, but none of them, like, like I couldn't vividly tell you what a person looked like, you know, okay. because they're just stuck in my head. You know, I like, I could tell you about a little old lady that stood two steps above me in an auditorium so that she could point in my face, <laughs> but like her face doesn't stick. But I remember like she was upset about sound and, you know, I heard the sound go down. She didn't cause she was yelling at me. So it was like, we bumped sound down some more, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not that big a deal. So it, it's funny how that kind of like, that mentality sticks. It is interesting. Yeah. Like I, I worked in Danville. Danville was my palace. You know, okay. that was, that was my real big challenge back in the late nineties. And I mean, that was, uh, that was the longest 14 months of my life, if I'm being <laughs> honest. And, um, and in fact, I, I was so fed up that this was when all the IMAX stuff was going on and I had applied to be an IMAX GM. And I remember Kim Phillips called me one day and he's like, what the hell are you doing? I go, I just I gotta get out of this theater. And he's like, I don't want you to go be an IMAX GM. Nothing against that. He's like, but you just, you need to stay a theater GM. But anyway, that it was just so challenging because it's in such a, uh, an upscale market, you know? And, and so there's this combination of very, very challenging, wealthy guests with very, very high expectations combined with uh, hardly any workforce because nobody there needed to work. And so that's a, that's a very terrible combination. And, and I mean, I don't, I, I've lost track of how many times I ever got yelled at. I mean, I remember specific like things that happened. Like I remember some dude who, who like backhanded and peanut M&Ms as he was walking away from me. So they zung past, zinged past my head and hit the wall <laughs> behind me because I wouldn't let him into the Blair Witch Project or whatever. Um, you know, getting yelled and screamed at because we didn't have enough staff. And then literally right, right when I was done dealing with that, I turned around and then somebody else at the end of the same line, at the other line, turned around and yelled at me for the exact same thing. And I had to tell that person, did you, did you not hear this other one? <laughs> like I, you're like not even five feet away from me, you know? And so yeah, like I, I get it. Look at everyone to group together. Who's right, right. Together. Gather around, gather around. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I remember those like those instances, but I don't. Yeah, like you said, I don't remember. I don't remember faces. I don't remember names or anything. I remember the good ones though, like the ones that got really escalated, and then I was able to de-escalate and turn the entire situation around. Like I remember those really vividly too, because that's yeah. such an amazing feeling when you're able to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that's I I've got one here in El Paso where. The, the customer accidentally picked up tickets that were left at a concession stand. So suddenly he goes from having like his five tickets to having like nine tickets. And the the four tickets weren't purchased at like box office. So like the assistant, you know, the guy couldn't make heads or tails of it. You know, he was confused, but the assistant didn't handle it real well. You know, she assumed he was, he found these tickets and was trying to refund them and you know the card that was popping up and it's like did you search his card you know like there were a number of things that could have been done to de-escalate the situation yeah so, but they ended up kicking him out because they thought he was you know being you know a fraud and this guy calls me you know and he's got young kids that were with him and you know he, he's his parents were just treated like they were thieves you know and it's like you come in here on this day this movie, I'm going to put you in D box XD, you know, fully upgrade you. And I will be there personally, you know, and I go in and I talk to the kids and, you know, you, you give them some merchandise at the time we had some kids stuff and, 
you know, suddenly that more memorable experience, the positive outweighs the negative. Sure. And I made sure to, to talk to them afterwards. That guy sent me a letter, you know, a week later, you know, thanking me for how his kids were treated, you know, how we, we treated them. And that's what sticks with me, you know, like I couldn't give you all the details of the problem that led up to it, but I can tell you a hundred percent that that man left happy. And that was the best feeling of my life. Cause really the kids were the most excited about yeah. the whole, yeah. you know, and, and having three kids, like I could totally see the embarrassment for the dad, you know, yeah. having, he was a veteran, you know, there were a number of things. that's just like, why, why that was when like a switch hit for me that look, stop looking for the theft, stop looking for the scam mm -hmm. and take care of the customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing when, and it doesn't take that much extra energy or effort to do that kind of thing for someone, but it's such a big payoff. Like I like to use the term as the juice worth the squeeze all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and those, those are the situations where it really is because it just has such a huge impact. But beyond that too, like the, I, I find that sometimes the most, the, the guests that are the most upset, a lot of times it comes down to being um, embarrassed, you know, like whatever that situation is, it's they're, they're in front of their kids or their spouse or whatever it is. And, and they're just embarrassed because things didn't go the way that they had planned, you know, and then they're being made to feel like they're somehow wrong in front of these people and stuff. And so I think it's really important for anybody listening right now. I think it's really important that we're all really mindful about how we approach these situations and we're not putting someone in this tenuous spot of feeling embarrassed because if you, you know, you can, you can avoid so much escalation if you're just mindful about that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and as we get ready, you know, to, to hopefully reopen soon for movie theaters, you know, there's going to be that, there's a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. There's going to be, you know, there's going to be a lot of relief, but there's going to be a lot of tension, you know, and, and there's, you know, we're in this world right now where there are two camps, the, the masks, no masks, you know, you, you, you're vilified either way on if you require them or not. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's a thin line we're going to be walking. And the important thing there is, is have some empathy, have some sympathy you know, and be willing to listen. Because, mm -hmm. you know, 90% of Karen's just want to be heard. Right. 90% of our customers just want to be heard. They don't want to be judged. They don't want to be, you know, told they're wrong. They want to just be heard. Someone to hear and do something about it. Yep. And, and I think that's the simplest way you can sum up, you know, what we do. Yeah. Listen to the guests and do something about it, yeah. you know, and 90% of the time, probably 98% of the time, it's going to take care of the problem. Well, I think that's a, that's a really good note to end on actually, um, with a, a, a lesson from Heath Poe. So <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, I really enjoyed having you on. I appreciate you, uh, appreciate your words of wisdom and, and the good stories. So uh, I appreciate you having me. Uh, I'm glad you had this podcast. You know, uh, there, there's a lot of great things there. And I know you've had quite a few diverse guests on here. So, you know, uh, it's, it's fun to be on here. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Heath. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right. Bye, everybody. That's the podcast, folks. If you're a fan of Karen Isn't Always Right, you can show your support in two ways. First, please share with your friends and get them listening. Also, please feel free to donate by going to anchor.fm forward slash chris-fry, that's F-R-E-Y, forward slash support.
please visit kairpodcast.com, K-I-A-R podcast.com, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. New episodes are posted weekly on kairpodcast.com, anchor.fm, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much wherever you can listen to a podcast. The views and opinions on this podcast are solely that of the guest and the host and are not representative of any organizations or individuals. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da